1: Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also from Dogs 24-7. It's been a little while. Uh, we kind of had last week, took last week off with, with you know, Kip and Rusty kind of being out of pocket and and having some things they had to take care of. And uh, we're back with you, full squad, and ready to talk some Georgia football and, and going to focus on Georgia recruiting type back to the team. Um, and talk a lot about the 2022 class. The 2021 cycle is technically over, um, and I say technically, and, and you'll figure that out why I said that in just a second, uh, but we want to get into like the big needs for Georgia in the 2022 class and the coaches that will have a lot to say about filling those big needs. But before we get into 2022, Rusty, it sounds like 2021's not over yet, and that's not surprising considering Kirby Smart's comments that we talked at length about. Uh, here a couple two or three weeks ago what's going on what's the latest with that 2021 class and maybe somebody else jumping in
2: uh you know i made a note yesterday on the board about jamarian gooch uh, offensive lineman out of the nashville area the player that georgia did recruit obviously they had guys in state and um, they had more players than they could put into spots uh, for the 2021 offensive line spots but you know, this young man became free this weekend of his scholarship at Tennessee. He's released. can go anywhere he wants. And I was told there was contact this weekend from both he and UGA. And, you know, there, there, there's spots left. We all in Georgia have spots left. there's also some flexibility here with, you know, if Georgia could find a way to bring him in in August and count him forward to the 2022 class, you could almost tweet, treat him as a 2022 prospect because, you know, we can all – we all are pretty honest to know that, the in-state crop in, in, in the 2022 class right now is a little bit down compared to the 2021 and 2020 offensive line groups It's recently came through. So when you look at Georgia, uh, this is a guy that, you know, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but there's certainly some interest there. And they could obviously use one of the spots left in the 2021 class, or they could probably have some flexibility, maybe count him forward uh, and bring him in in August as a, as a guy, you know, Basically like a, um, you know, a graduate, tra- basically a transfer, uh, how they do those, they like count that forward into the 2022 class as a initial. So we'll see. It's interesting there. Um, you know, again, we haven't confirmed, you know, this is a done deal, but we, we, we are fairly confident in saying there's some interest on both sides. And I think this is a guy that is a massive kid. Now it's a six seven three fifty. 350, uh, obviously a little heavy, probably needs a redshirt year no matter what. Uh, to get ready in the weight room, but this would be I got for Georgia if they can get this done. We'll we'll keep an eye on it, but uh, I'll stay on top of it on our end to see what we hear. But there's definitely some interest. At least we have confirmed on Georgia's side of this.
1: You know, with all this talk uh, in the in the real world about you know landing on Mars and and stuff, you know, it's Jamarian Gooch is the kind of guy that's identifiable from space. I mean, like Rusty said, six seven three fifty eight. And one thing that I thought of, Rusty, when you reported this was the success Georgia has had with with offensive of linemen like this. Now, I'm going to mention the fact that he's a three-star. That's really not relevant, so to speak. I mean, uh, but there's something that all, all three of these guys that came before him had in common. Um, you look at Solomon Kinley, you look at at Justin Schaefer, and you look at Devin Willick. And, and, you know, n- none of those guys were six, seven and a half. Devin Willick, six, six. But they were all massive people that had to drop some weight when they got to Georgia. They weren't really highly rated, maybe because they were, you know, heavier than they needed to be. And, and Georgia's had a lot of success with that. Solomon Kinley was a, was a, you know, basically a three year starter at Georgia. He started 10 games. Um, as a redshirt freshman then started the next two seasons Uh, and then you know Justin Schaefer he's back very well could end up being a two-year starter at Georgia he's got I think 12 starts under his belt right now Um, and then Devin Willick is a guy that consistently you know heard great things about him last preseason even though he was coming off of a major injury and then you know Kirby Smart talked about him during the season as a guy that they feel really good about Georgia's had a lot of success with these types of linemen and and Kip, you brought up a really good point on our board and i think it's worth mentioning here and i, I kind of want you to explain it georgia's kind of in a use it or lose it type situation with the, with these three spots it has left as far as forward counting and, and all that stuff and i'm not sure you can like give us all the nuts and bolts to it and and i'm 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 very much not confident that anybody can give us all the nuts and bolts to it and make us completely understand it but can you kind of expound upon that as to why georgia has three spots to fill and probably needs to fill
0: them yeah, this is something that I've, you know, kind of been digging at for the last couple of cycles, and and you're right. I mean, finding an answer, uh, getting into those NCAA bylaws is just a recipe for disaster. Trying to 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 crack that code, but but basically, where things stand are as far as forward counting, that's blue shirt, gray shirt. That's basically delaying when a player will count toward you know, as an initial counter. And and schools aren't allowed to sign over 25. And I know that it seems tongue-in-cheek for me to say that because we know that schools have had over 25 players joining their class. I mean, you just look at Alabama's class, it looks like, you know, they're able to find spots uh, growing on trees. But the situation is, is technically you're not allowed to have over 25 initial counters in any cycle. And four counting is is type of a type of way of you know adding more players to your roster except technically it it ended in the 2018 cycle you know it's no longer technically allowed to be used but schools that that used them in the previous cycle it basically carries over with the use of early enrollees you're basically just kicking the can down the road each cycle and as long as you continue to do that you have however many forward counters you used in that 2017 cycle before they, they basically kind of did away with it. So as long as you continue to use that same number of forward counters, each cycle, you have them to continue kicking the can down the road. So let's say for instance, if Georgia has two forward counters to use every year, then they're going to use them every year because the the first time you don't use them according to the current rules until something changes, you don't have them anymore, so yeah, like you said, Georgia's got twenty signees in their 2021 class, and those forward counters are not limited to high school prospects. You can use those, you know, on an incoming transfer as well. So Georgia has two at their disposal to to use, you know, however they see fit. So when when if there's a, a player in the 2021 class that Georgia thinks can help their team. I mean, they're going to use it. If they think it's going to be an incoming transfer, we've talked about cornerbacks, then they're going to use that as well. And like you guys said, I mean, when you're looking at the offensive line group in the 2022 cycle, that's a question that gets asked on the junkyard at Dogs 24-7 almost every day. Like who are the offensive linemen that, that could join Georgia's uh, group in 2022? There aren't a lot. I think we've written about all of them in the last month as far as, in-state, you got Addison Nichols at Greater Atlanta Christian. You, you have uh, Quayshon Sapp at Lee County. Both guys at around six four, six five, three hundred and five 305 pounds. And then out-of-state, you, you basically have Tyler Booker at IMG Academy, a guy that's 6'4", 315. And, um, and at that point – I guess you also have Jacob Hood out of Tennessee. He's 6'8", 342 pounds. That's basically it as far as guys that we've we've really seen Georgia heavily involved with at this point. And honestly, if you're if you're trying to figure out where they're at in the board, they're probably very similarly ranked and placed on Georgia's board. So that goes to show you that there, there isn't a lot of depth in the offensive line group in Georgia's eyes in the next cycle. So if they think that they can grab a guy in the 2021 class and, and forward count him – he, he might be above all those guys on their board for the 2022 cycle. It's a good point. And, and to also look at the
1: 85, you can only have 85 scholars, players on scholarship. The four guys Demetrius Robertson, Justin Schaefer, uh, Devontae Wyatt, and I'm missing somebody. Oh, Julian Rochester. Four the guys that are deciding to come back, who would have been seniors last year, and if and if last year wasn't a freebie, those guys don't count toward the scholarship limit. So with that, those guys out of the picture, not counting them, Georgia has 83 players on scholarship right now, two below the 85. And you know that's that's a good place to be if you want to add three more guys because. Somebody's going to leave after spring more than likely. I mean if, if ever you know if if ever there was a year where you know there's going to be some movement kind of after spring practice, this is that kind of year for Georgia because there's there's positions up for grabs. There's also some that are completely locked down where guys are going to be making a move and and you can see various situations where guys may choose to move on after spring and make one more extra spot for Georgia to add three guys. Uh, So so is in good shape as far as that goes too. let's move to the 2022 class and we're going to get into the needs and we're going to get into the coaches who have to fill those needs in the second half. But before we go into a break, I want to take a few minutes to talk about the guy that intrigues us the most in the 2022 class. Now, there's an obvious guy who comes to mind here, but I'm not going to take him because I feel like Rusty or Kip will be able to talk about him a little bit more. And, and, and if they don't hit on him, I'll hit on him after they go. But but mine, the guy that intrigues me most in this class is Michael Williams out of Hardaway High School in Columbus, Georgia. And the reason he does is because you look at Georgia's defensive line and – you know, yeah, you recruit guys that you think are going to be defensive tackles and yeah, you recruit guys who you think are going to be nose tackles, but all depending on how their body develops and how they look in practice and Trey Scott trains them at different spots, those spots can be somewhat interchangeable. Not not completely, not like hey, if you're a nose tackle, you're a defensive tackle and vice versa. But you know, not not every you know defensive tackle can play the position at the level that Jordan Davis does, and and you know Jordan Davis probably can't play the three technique at the same level that that Devonte Wyatt does. Um, but but those guys have both. You know, those guys can move around a little bit. The spot that is unique is the defensive end spot, and I think Michael Williams may be a very good fit for Georgia there, and maybe the next you know Jonathan Ledbetter, Malik Herring, Trayvon Walker type. And and that he's listed as a defensive tackle, just like Trayvon Walker was coming out of high school. But but I think he I think he's probably gonna end up fitting at that defensive end position. And and I love his frame. He's 6'5, you know, he, he can probably get up to that 280, 290 pound range, uh currently around 255, 260. Uh, he intrigues me a lot. And Georgia leads for him in the 24-7 sports crystal ball. Big-time leader. He's going to make a decision, I believe, in March. And uh, that's a guy that that I believe, you know, it, that that can be a big-time difference maker for Georgia, can kind of be that next big-time five technique uh, for the Bulldogs at defensive end. Rusty, who is your most intriguing prospect in the 2022 class?
2: i tell you a guy that I can't figure out what he is. Uh, You know, I've known about him since his freshman year in high school. He's just now kind of starting to pick up offers, Uh, picked up a big offer last week from Florida State. But, you know, these teams play him, and I watched the tape, and this weekend in 7-on-7, a big 7-on-7 in uh, Myrtle Beach, he played wide receiver, played slot wide receiver, played linebacker, played corner, all over the field making plays. Thomas Castellanos is an uh, athlete out of Ware County. Some think he's a quarterback. Some think he's a wide receiver. I personally like him at running back, and I'm telling you, you know, you look at him, and here's here's something that I put a lot of value on uh, as I get older into this game. We've all been watching these kids' production. This kid had 47 touchdowns at Ware County this year as a junior, and they play a – very good, good uh, level of competition. You know, he's five foot eleven. He's 190 pounds. He is a uh, – you know, you watch him. He's got unbelievable, like, contact balance. I mean, he, he is hard to get to the ground. I think he's a running back. Now, look, Georgia fans are going to probably freak out and hear this, but if Georgia ends up with him a running back and or, you know, a, a wide receiver, I mean, he is – he's a playmaker, and I'm telling you, He's going to be a guy that's going to – he's going to rise up in the rankings before it's all said and done. Florida State just offered him last week. But go – you know, I challenge you if you're listening to this, go watch Ware County. Go watch his highlights. You're talking about a kid with 100 – I mean, 47 touchdowns. The, the game that sold me on Brian Banks from Sandy Creek uh, was when he played Cartersville and he played 181 plays, you know, and he didn't come off the field but for one play, one special teams play he came off. And forty-seven touchdowns in the division that they play in is extremely productive football player, and I'm telling you, this is a kid that that uh, you know if Georgia offers at some point as an athlete. It's not going to surprise me.
1: That was off the board. I didn't even know who that was. I had no idea. I mean, if you'd have told me that yeah, name, I mean, I, this kid, this I'd kid. have thought he was a New yeah. York City
2: lawyer. <laughs> I'm telling you, he, he is. He is a uh, he's a player, man, and nobody can really figure out what he is. But just go, Jake, your film guy, go, go watch his tape, and you'll see this guy. Everybody I, everybody that played him, I talked to some schools, Westlake, Cartersville. Some of the schools that played them were like, man, we, you know, Creekside. Creekside was a school I talked to. And I asked Creekside, who we all know has got a lot of speed and talent, I said, how good was he? He goes, we, he was the difference. We could not get him to the ground. And um, I talked to Cartersville, too, that beat him in the quarter uh, semifinals. And I mean, this guy, this guy's a freaking player. I'm telling you, Georgia, some of these big boy schools, whoever ends up with him is gonna wind up with a player because this is a this is this guy's an athlete. He makes a ton of plays on tape. And I really think some of these big boy schools are gonna get on him in on him sooner.
0: Kip, who you got, man? Well, first off, I want to uh, give credit to one of our subscribers, BYU Thomas, September 15th of last year. He messaged me about Thomas. He said he he's the best player in the field. Every time he lines up, he beat Richmond Hill by himself. Um, so he he asked about him slipping through the cracks back then. I said, uh, you know, no one's really slipping in the, through the cracks at that point in the cycle. But that I know that Florida State contacted him the first day they could in September. Uh, back then, I, we are, I think we were trying to just get verified size. We didn't know what position he was gonna play. And and he definitely he definitely came back in when Florida State offered it and, and asked about him again. So I just wanna give him some some props for, for having the kid on his radar pretty early on as well. And uh and yeah, I agree with Rusty. As far as him being a running back athlete, he's a guy that's definitely on a lot of schools' radars right now. For me, I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a a lot more well-known name. It's someone that not only is highly thought of at 24 seven sports, but I think he plays a position that Georgia definitely needs to hit on this cycle. And, and that's Jeremiah Alexander out of Thompson high school in in Alabaster, Alabama. And he's a guy that was committed to Alabama at one point. And, you know, I think he, he decommitted, uh, back in was October. And at that point, Georgia had a lot of buzz behind the scenes and I obviously when you start thinking about top players in Alabama immediately everyone says those guys aren't going to leave the state I mean there's a lot of there I mean you've seen that over time that more often than not that they are going to stay in state and Alabama and Auburn as well definitely recruited their own state very well and it's very tough to pull the top guys out of there but you know, if there's a head coach who's come in and recruited the state fairly well, I mean, it is Kirby Smart. They've gotten impact players out of the state of Alabama. And Monty Rice, and obviously, in George Pickens, they they got Clay Webb from Alabama as well. Uh, I think that, you know, he's a guy as an edge defender, has outstanding film. Uh, I think that he's highly productive there. It's 6'2", 235 last time he was measured. Uh, 245 uh 7 sports composite, five-star. And, and honestly, you just look at the edge defender position. It, it's one that Georgia had a couple misses, especially in the last cycle. I think if you look at maybe arguably the biggest miss in the cycle is, I mean, Dallas Turner would have been, you know, a big impact guy uh, for Georgia at that position. They were not able to get him. Again, Alabama was able to reel him in. And, and, and you definitely – with how much that position is featured in, in Georgia's defense, you, you got to stack that room as as, as best you can. And I think that Jeremiah Alexander is a guy that Georgia has to continue to recruit heavily because you know that even though he decommitted from Alabama, he is not on board. Uh, he's not on Georgia's commitment list. And obviously they're, him taking a step back and slowing things down means there's going to be a long way to go in his recruitment. And so they're going to have to continue to – Keep their relationship as strong as possible. It's just another situation where you got an out-of-state prospect, still no visits with the dead period extended. You know we're continuing to see the recruiting dead period pushed back at you know at a a record rate now, and I mean we're we're quickly approaching over a year without any off-campus contact allowed in recruiting. I mean that's unprecedented. It's creating challenges for coaches and the recruits. Well, that's a guy that you definitely just have to communicate with as best you can, and, and try to maintain that relationship because you know that Alabama is going to continue to recruit him as well, and and be heavily involved there. But that's just that's a recruit that I mean, if you're talking Kirby Smart versus Nick Saban, a highly you know touted edge defender, I don't think it gets much more intense than that, and I think he's one of the most important prospects in this 2022 cycle.
1: You know, I'm really glad I'm not a degenerate gambler and didn't try to bet on this with somebody over here on the side because I would have sworn that one of you guys would have gone with Branson Robinson out of Mississippi. Uh, Running back, Georgia leads in the crystal ball. He's a three-star prospect right now. And listen, I've got no – I've got zero impact on the rankings. Nobody ever asked me what I think. They never should because I don't get the chance to put time into it or see anybody – in person anymore but I'd be shocked if this kid ends the cycle as a three-star prospect I'd be really surprised if he ends up ends the cycle outside of the top 100 prospects in the country because I like this kid's film at running back as much as any running back film I've seen in a long time and that includes Zamir White and Cam Akers and Nick Chubb and I think he is I think he's special I think he's special. I think he's a really good football player, a phenomenal runner. Rusty, you talk about contact balance. He has it. You watch him in some of his weight room stuff that gets put on Twitter, and he's a monster. He's put together like Nick Chubb. I never want to put that in, in that uh that uh expectation on a player, but he is a he's a man and he is a grown man and he is a very good football player. I think Georgia uh, would do really well to get him in at running back and and I, I think he's he's not a big pass game guy on film but not a lot of high school you know running backs are I mean Dejon Edwards probably had as much uh receiving game production as any running back I've you know seen in the last few years when out of cauqua county. Uh, But Branson Robinson is another guy that very much intrigues me because of his ranking, because of where he's from, and because of the fact that Georgia seems to be trending with him right now in the 24-7 sports crystal ball. Let's jump into a break here real quick, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Georgia's big needs in the 2022 classes and the coaches that will be charged with filling them. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. All right, guys, uh, Rusty, can start with you. And uh, what do you see as the biggest need for Georgia in this class? And and if it's the same coach that has to fill it – or if it's not the same coach that has to fill that need, I'm sorry, what coach do you feel like needs a big – a really good recruiting cycle in, in, as far as 2022 goes? Um, I
2: really think that Georgia – they're off to a really good start. I mean, I thought outside linebacker was a the spot they needed to, uh, you know, hit on and, you know, probably got C.J. Washington who may play inside, may play outside – uh, you got Darius Smith, who's a 6'6 kid. You got uh Don Westmoreland, who's kind of a uh, you know, a, a um, DeAndre Walker type, 6'2, 220, long kid out of Griffin. So some of those questions early on have answered. Uh defensive back is a, you know, we got the Smoke Bowie and Marquise Killebrew already, you know, in the boat uh, on the verbal commitment list. You got Tyree West, uh and, you know, who I think's a really good player, verbally committed. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna end up with Michael Williams. So they've got a few initial, you know, questions answered. I think when you look at Georgia, this class, they need some wide receivers that can run. You know, they need some guys that can stretch the field. Um, you know, they got to go out and get some guys. There's some big targets in here. Uh guys like Oscar Delp at tight end. You got Kojo Antoine at wide receiver. Um, you know, you got Denylon Moore set, some guys in state, but I really think Georgia's got to get at least one or two guys in this class uh, to go with what they got in the last couple uh, to to really stretch the field. I think everybody understands the importance of speed and what Alabama has, have had the last couple of years and what the difference has been. Uh, you look at the Ohio State-Clemson game. I just watched it the other day, you know, Looking at Clemson a little bit, I watched uh, about three-quarters of it, and Ohio State ran by Clemson as and, and defensive backs. I mean, plain and simple. Um, you know, they 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 ran by them, and Justin Fields made some really good throws in that game deep, and they ran by those defensive backs. So, speed and, and the way of the game today offensively, and you got a guy that can deliver and JT Daniels, uh, probably got a guy uh, – you're going to have a couple guys battle out for the future. So, those guys, Gunnar Stockton and Brock Vandergrift are going to need some weapons. And, and Georgia really needs to get some guys uh, that can stretch the field. So I think wide receiver, and I would kind of underscore that a little bit, uh, kind of the undercard a little bit, and and to take a boxing term, uh, at running back, uh, and and we've, you just talked about it, Jake. I love Branson Robinson. They're still in for some guys, but I think wide receiver is pretty critical in this class. And Georgia's got to hit on some guys here, and they got to get one or two that can really, really stretch the field.
1: So, will Cortez Hankton be the coach you, you think needs the needs the big cycle there? Definitely. Yep, I do.
2: Yep, I do. I think they had a really good one in 2020. They kind of put them behind a little bit in 2021 because of some depth. Uh, You know, they didn't quite get the guys that are like burner types in 2021. Uh, Still got some bigger body guys, but you need some some guys that can run in this class, and, and you need some 10-4, 10-500-meter 10, guys. Uh, so, we'll see if they land a couple of those. And, uh, you know, you don't have to have four of them, but you need one or two uh, to mix in with what you got. So, I, I think Cortez-Hankton for sure uh, in this. Um, you look at um, 2023 class, picked up a big one the other day. Uh, you know, in, in and it goes by Quavo, Sori, who is Xavier and Sori's cousin. So, you know, they're off to a good start there, but they need some guys in 2022 field.
1: All the the joys of technology. We lost Rusty there. Uh, Not sure we're going to be able to get him back. We're going to try. But I couldn't agree more with everything he says, and that would be mine too, both the position and the coach. Go ahead and get that out of the way right now. Um, You know, speed at receiver is big. You know, you look at what Alabama and what LSU, Oklahoma, Ohio State have done at receiver. Yeah, they have some big bodies, but more than anything – you know you've got guys that are just running these deep over routes and and these slants and these crossing routes and posts and they're running away from cornerbacks and and that's huge because even when a guy has tight coverage it's taking 100% effort to run with that guy and and that causes problems that that causes the defensive back to panic and uh, quickness and speed at receiver is something that's very much in right now and very much a big part of, of the passing evolution or revolution, I would say, in college football. Uh, so I definitely think Georgia needs to get guys like that. I love Kevin Coleman out of St. Louis. I watched his film. I immediately got Jalen Waddle vibes. And and I think he's a big time prospect. Georgia's in his top eight. We'll see if Georgia can close the deal there. Kojo Antoine is a guy that I'm really interested in because you know he's a big receiver, but you know Ohio State's hard after him. Do do they think of him as a big receiver, or do they think he's got the speed to separate and and be a you know that twitchy big play type guy? And uh, I see that, and then Cortez Hankton. I mean, he he didn't have the best cycle this past cycle. I think finished 339th or something like that. Uh, but had two great cycles in a row before that in 19 and 20 when he you know, got George Pickens and, and Dominic. I mean, he signed, I think, five players uh, signed with George at receiver that ranked in the top 100 of, the, of their respective classes, and seven out of eight of those guys George has signed in those two classes were four stars or higher. Uh, so, so Georgia definitely needs to keep stocking that room, and I, I think he needs a big cycle. And and you know, I, I know it's not super interesting. You guys would probably love to hear us argue a little bit, but I, I also think that you know that kind of undercard. Rusty said about running backs, big too. You know, Del McGee has a habit of every other cycle being one of the top recruiters recruiters in the country. He was number one in 2018, number five in 2020. Now it's 2022, and, and he's coming off a class where he finished outside the top 100, and and he could have another big class here too especially if branson robinson rises up the rankings and georgia gets him and uh, and the bulldogs get the two guys that they really want in this class because they've probably got two who are on their way out um kip I-, I hope we did not completely stomp on everything you were trying to do here but your biggest position to need for georgia in this class
0: and the coach that needs a really good cycle Consider it completely stomped at this point. I mean, I, I complete. I planned on talking about wideout, and I enjoyed hearing you guys uh, wax poetic about basically every talking point I had. But here, here, I'll, I'll have a different uh, angle to go with here. Obviously, the wide receiver position. Looking at the schools that have run the table in the college football playoff, who have won it all, you know, prolific offenses are the soup du jour. I mean, they are what is trendy right now. And they are, I mean, what's helped teams to championships the last couple of years. And that's, that has been the focal point on what the fan base has wanted Kirby smart to do at Georgia. They want Georgia to air it out. They want Georgia to put points on the board and they want to see an explosive passing attack. I mean, that's I mean, that it's pretty clear that from our message board, from social media, from from everyone that, that we hear as far as being Georgia fans at Dogs 24-7. I mean, that's that's what they want to see. And so you look you look at that 2020 class, and that's what Georgia fans want Georgia to do every year. So whenever Georgia signs the the pair of prospects they signed in the last cycle, and I mean Jackson Meeks and Donnie Mitchell are both Outstanding sleeper prospects that we think have a chance to be productive at Georgia. If Jackson can stay healthy, you know, Adane is a guy that kind of fell through the cracks as, as someone who changed classes. Both have a lot of physical skill set to, to bring to the table. But you mentioned Alabama, you mentioned LSU. Those type of offenses are what everyone's looking at and everyone wants to copy. And there are very few programs in the country who have the recruiting capability to match that or to come close to to what those programs did. Georgia just happens to be one of the very few programs that recruits at that level. I mean, you can look at the last five classes, there isn't a program that's recruited at Georgia's level. So that's what makes it, I, I guess, frustrating for fans to say, why can't we do that? Well, the thing about recruiting is, is you have to show the prospects they are going to put up numbers in your system i mean you could talk about you know the the coaching relationships you can even talk about the nfl draft i mean that's obviously huge huge tool in recruiting Uh, but seeing what a program does on the field i mean there's nothing that can really help your program recruit at a high level than putting out a product that recruits want to be a part of and they want to emulate when they get on campus and so when Georgia got that 2020 uh, group, I mean, that's one of the most impressive things you uh, I've seen because the offense, you know, that, that season did not put up mind-boggling stats. I mean, obviously, Georgia's offense was, you know, so I, I don't want to use the word average, but they underperformed to where there was a change made at offensive coordinator, you know, and and a change at quarterback, obviously, with Jake Fromm leaving. And so what you saw last year, you didn't really get to see a a full picture of what Georgia can do offensively. So now we're looking ahead to this season, and JT Dangles is returning, and basically every offensive weapon returns. And so Georgia has a chance – to have the type of offense that will allow them to recruit wide receivers, pass catchers, you know, at the level of the other programs. And so it, it, you can't just bring in one group of, of, of wide receivers and, and build your offense. You have to continue to do that each cycle. And so basically, you look at last year's group and that's, that kind of fits based on what Georgia has been able to do in the past game, the last few years, you look at this year and you look at Georgia's needs at wide receiver and everything kind of matches up well for Georgia to put an outstanding product at the field. And when you talk about Kevin Coleman, when you talk about Kojo, when you talk about Dylan Morissette, you talk about if another wide receiver emerges with elite speed, Georgia is set up well to be able to show them we will feature you in our offense. And if you have an elf, a healthy Arian Smith in year two, there's a chance that, that he breaks out and, and puts up big numbers. I mean, Jermaine Burton, a guy that can put up big numbers. George Pickens is you know, projected to be one of the top three, top five wide receivers in the country. So the product on the field this fall shapes up very well for Cortez Hankton to be able to sell his program any wide receiver in the country and the timing couldn't be better because as we said i think that position is one where georgia needs to really stock that room well and, and they need to try to build some momentum in that group moving forward to be able to recruit the wide receiver position at a very very high level on an annual basis and until the next trend in college football comes along the wide receiver position seems to be the most important one other than quarterback right now in the country
1: that's what you call a consensus uh dogs 24 7 junkyard dogcast consensus we all agree georgia needs a bigger big cycle at, at receiver and uh that's just the way it is that's all the time we've got for this one but i want to remind folks real quick for a limited time over at dogs 24 7 you can get 50 percent off a year-long subscription to dogs 24 7 vip pass the, the works you can get 50 percent off of that and As as a a bonus to that, you can get CBS All Access with that. Normally with the promotional stuff, they don't necessarily offer CBS All Access. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. This time it is included. That is is an incredible value because basically you get 50% off a full year and you get both services. I, I did the calculations on the savings. Over $165 savings a year. Uh, when you sign up with us right now, um, offer is going to end soon. So come check us out, join in and then, and then, you know, get all that love from from CBS All Access, which is going to become Paramount, Paramount Plus here in the near future. And you'll get all those perks as well. So join us over at Dogs 24-7. You can see us talk about this every day. You can ask us whatever you want to ask us about it through direct message, on the message board, all of that stuff. And we'll be available to you. Read all of our VIP content. Rusty Kip cover recruiting is as, be- as good as anybody in the business. And I do my best with team stuff. So we'll see how that goes. And and, and we'll see you all later on uh, with the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from the same place. And you all take it easy.